Jesus the Revolutionary. That's not the title by which we usually think of Jesus. Savior, Son of God, Son of Man, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Yes, those titles are familiar to us. But revolutionary? Jesus was a revolutionary of a different kind. He never commanded an army, wrote a book, or raised a family. He never lived in a big city or did the things revolutionaries typically do. His name is not tied to the American Revolution, the French Revolution, or the Industrial Revolution. Instead, Jesus led a revolution of the heart. Have you allowed Jesus to travel into the deep caverns of your heart and revolutionize the way you think, act, and believe? I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis and whether you're listening on radio, on your mobile device or online at our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org, Thanks so much for stopping by. We've got a real treat for you today. As Ron launches his teaching series, A.D., Acts of the Apostles, which will take us back to the very beginning of the church, how it got started, how it grew. We kick things off next with a two-part message about the way Jesus revolutionized the world and laid the foundation for what we now call the church age. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1. And let's join Ron for today's Something Good Radio message, Jesus the Revolutionary. Well, investors on Wall Street are always looking for the next startup that will explode in growth and produce all kinds of... uh, business profits. Uh, For example, if you had uh, invested in some initial public offerings many years ago and just bought a few shares of some companies like Microsoft or Apple, um, maybe Amazon, if you you had bought them when they were IPOs, investment, initial public offerings, you'd be very wealthy today. You'd make a lot of money. And and investors are always looking for those kinds of opportunities on Wall Street. Well, I want you to imagine for a moment the Church of Jesus Christ as an IPO 2,000 years ago. There were just a handful of people who thought that it had any chance of getting off the ground, let alone fulfilling and achieving the worldwide impact envisioned by its founder. The investors, if we could call them back then, were poor, they were afraid, They were uneducated, and they were powerless against the mighty Roman Empire, let alone the uh, politics of religion that they faced in in Jerusalem. But here we are, 2,000 years later. Uh, The story of what happened following the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is an amazing story. Some call it a revolutionary story that is worth telling. Uh, So much so that even Hollywood has picked up on the storytelling value of the early church and has produced some movies of late about the early church. 
But long before Hollywood saw the storytelling value of what happened 2,000 years ago following the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there was a medical doctor named Luke who thought it was worth writing down too. All the events that took place in the early days of the early church. And we have a record of what Dr. Luke wrote down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. It's the fifth book in your New Testament, uh, following Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And then if we went to Romans without Acts, uh, there'd be some parts that are missing. We, we, we would need somebody to fill in the rest of the story, and that's, that's what the book of Acts does for us. Now, the book of Acts is part of a um, two-volume anthology written by Dr. Luke. In fact, we, we talk about it as Luke-Acts. Uh, the book of Acts was always meant to be read alongside the gospel according to Luke. And when Luke wrote these two volumes, you can tell by the introduction to both books, he's writing to a guy named Theophilus. Now, we don't know much about Theophilus. Uh, there's speculation that he might have been an attorney, and he was a friend of Dr. Luke, and he wanted Luke to use his investigative research skills that he might have learned as a medical doctor and to come up with some some proofs, some, some convincing proofs that what these followers of Jesus, let alone Jesus himself, claimed was actually true. And if you go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, you, you, you get this, this sense that uh, these two books go together because Luke writes, in the first book, O Theophilus, the first book being the gospel according to Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So in the first book that Luke wrote, which is the gospel according to Luke, he says, I, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Well, some people, including the devil himself, thought that when Jesus was crucified, it was the end of the Nazarene. <laughs> you know, we put an end to this guy. No, when he was crucified, buried, and rose again from the dead, it's as though Jesus came out of that grave and said, I've only just begun. And, and so Luke writes about the beginning of all that Jesus did and all that he taught, but Acts writes about what he continued to do through the early apostles. And it's a fascinating ride. It's a, it's a fascinating book. Now, in one sense, the book of Acts is kind of like a history book, and, and you've got you to read it that way. It's, it's less prescriptive and more descriptive about what happens. Uh, we don't get our theology necessarily from the book of Acts, although there are many lessons that we can learn, and we see uh, the God of the Bible acting out through the apostles that he empowered through the Holy Spirit. It's more descriptive of what happened, less prescriptive, the prescriptions we get as we read further on in the New Testament. That's important to understand as you come to the book of Acts and, and interpret the book of Acts even for our times. Uh, but uh, even though it reads kind of like a history book of the early church, uh, to me, it, it also reads like a revolutionary call to action a revolutionary call to action. And I was just to think about that just a little bit. I've titled this message, Jesus the Revolutionary. Now think of some of the revolutions that come to our mind in history, where governments and political systems have been toppled by uh, we the people and, and revolutionaries who rose up. I think of the French Revolution, I think of the American Revolution. 
and these and other revolutions like it topple governments, uh, overthrow uh, oppressive political systems. There's something in our history known as the Industrial Revolution, and, and this transformed the economy of America. And uh, many people believe we're living in a post-industrial revolution age, and over the last 50 or 60 years, there's been a technology revolution. It's certainly changed the way we do life today with uh, computers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when I say Jesus is a revolutionary, he's a revolutionary of a different kind. He never commanded an army. He never wrote a book. Uh, he, he never, you know, had a family. He never lived in a big city. He, he never did all the kinds of things you would think revolutionaries do. But his teaching was revolutionary. It was completely revolutionary. Certainly consistent with the Judaism of his day, but he was moving forward the plan of God and the purpose of God and the prophecies of God as they were fulfilled. And he was revolutionary in that sense in his teaching, even though he, he said at one time, my teaching is not my own. My teaching comes from the one who sent me. And I always keep that in mind as a pastor. My teaching is not my own. Certainly if Jesus' teaching was not his own. We teach and preach the Word of God and the teachings of Jesus. But Jesus was, was a revolutionary in that sense, <clears throat> a revolution, revolutionary of a different kind. Uh, Dallas Willard wrote a book many years ago about the character of Christ in us, and he titled it appropriately, Revolution of the Heart. And in that sense, Jesus is a revolutionary who travels into the uh, deep recesses of the human heart. And his goal is to do more than just rescue us from the penalty of sin and from the power of sin, which he does through his death, burial, and resurrection. But his goal is also to uh, give us a new purpose, to revolutionize our mission and even our destiny in life. And he does that in a number of ways spelled out in all kinds of stories in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. Let me just give you one brief story. Remember a guy named Peter? Peter was a guy we meet in the Gospels, and he was a fisherman. And Jesus met him on the shores of the, uh, the Sea of Galilee one day, and he says, Peter, I want you to follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. That was revolutionary language. Peter, I'm going to revolutionize your heart, and I'm going to revolutionize your purpose, your mission, and your destiny in life. And we know the story of Peter through many ups and downs, through even a time where he denied Jesus three times on the night that he was arrested and hours before his crucifixion. But Peter <clears throat> becomes a guy in the book of Acts that God used in a powerful way to carry out his purpose and the mission of God as Jesus gave it to his disciples. And Jesus is still in the business of revolutionizing hearts and revolutionizing our purpose and our mission and our destiny in life. And the book of Acts is a wonderful story of how that happens. And it's continuing today. Acts is 28 chapters, but we're living in Acts 29. We are still the church of Jesus Christ 2,000 years later. Name me a company that started and has a 2,000-year-old growth curve. You can't find one. You won't find one anywhere on Wall Street. But if you had invested, better yet, if you had embraced <clears throat> this revolution known as the church of Jesus Christ, letting Jesus Christ by faith revolutionize your heart, 
rescuing you from the penalty of sin and from the power of sin, and then allowing him to revolutionize your vision and your mission in life. Friends, that's the church. That's the exciting aspect of being a part of this thing called the Church of Jesus Christ. And the book of Acts tells the story of when the church was in an incubator, when it was just in its infancy. Still ahead, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' Something Good Radio message, Jesus the Revolutionary. Need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org to share your request, and our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Use the Explore option at the top of the homepage, then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You icon. While you're there, select the Library tab to find a host of great resources at our online store. Again, that web address is somethinggoodradio.org. Christians are saved by grace through faith. But as you'll see in just a moment, it doesn't take nearly as much faith as you may have guessed. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Jesus the Revolutionary. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11 is the focus of our study this morning. And yes, it reads a little bit like you know, a history book, but I, I find in these opening paragraphs a fourfold revolutionary call to action that still applies to us today, friends. Uh, and there are some things, if we're going to um, embrace this revolution that's been going on for 2,000 years, this revolution of the heart and of purpose and mission and destiny in life, there are four things that, that we need to embrace as well. This, this call to action Number one has to do with having confidence in the claims of Jesus Christ. You'll never embrace, fully embrace this revolution uh, until there's a certainty in your heart about the claims of Christianity uh, and, of, and of Jesus Christ himself. Look at what Luke says in verse 3. He's writing to Theophilus. And he says, Jesus presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, again, there's some speculation that this Theophilus to whom he is writing might have been an attorney who's saying, Luke, my friend, give, give me some investigative research and give me some proofs about this Jesus and about his followers. And, and, and Luke does his research. He writes the gospel according to Luke. Now he's writing Acts. And it was important for Theophilus and for anybody else who would read this to know that there, was, um, uh, there were facts that substantiated the claims of Jesus Christ. Luke says here that after he himself died and suffered, that he presented himself alive by many proofs. Just circle that phrase, many proofs. Two other translations of the Bible call them many convincing proofs. The old King James translation says many infallible proofs. I've said for years, Christianity is an intelligent faith based upon reasonable evidence. It's based upon reasonable evidence. It's based upon many convincing proofs. Not scientific proof, but science is not the end-all, be-all in proving something. They'd like to think it is. But I'm talking about the kinds of proofs that we find in a court of law. You see, again, Theophilus might have been an attorney. He's used to a different burden of proof, meaning that something is true or not true based upon 
reasonable doubt, okay? And here's what Luke does. He does his investigative research into the church of Jesus Christ, into this startup called the church, into the claims of Jesus Christ, and he says, based on their biggest claim that he rose from the dead, that he suffered and then he appeared alive to his followers by many convincing proofs. Now, what are some of those proofs? Well, the Apostle Paul lists what we call the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says he appeared to the apostles, to the 12. He appeared to 500 people at once. He appeared to James, which was uh, the half-brother of Jesus. He appeared to many people. And then Paul says, and then he appeared to me. Luke is the one in his gospel, in Luke chapter uh, 24, that talks about another post-resurrection appearance of Jesus when he appeared to two men who were walking along a road toward a village called Emmaus. And these two men were dumbfounded by all that had happened during Passover in Jerusalem, the crucifixion of Jesus, this rabbi from Nazareth, and all this discussion now about how he'd risen from the dead, and they were just kind of scratching their heads about that. Jesus comes and starts walking with them and starts having a conversation with them. Finally, he interrupts the conversation. He says, oh, you foolish guys, you're so slow to believe what all the prophets said about how the Christ must suffer. And the Bible says he took these two men through Moses and through all the prophets, through, through a journey through the Old Testament and showed them how everything that had just happened in Jerusalem about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus was prophesied through the Old Testament. These guys get to their destination in Emmaus, and they're like, hey, you know, we, we need to go sit down and have a Starbucks together and talk about this a little bit more. They didn't recognize Jesus at the time, but suddenly their eyes were open, the Bible says, and Jesus disappears. So well, that's a pretty fanciful story. But remember, he was in his uh, glorified body, his post-resurrection body that was not limited by space, time, and matter. And what we find in the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus is he could appear here and appear there, much like perhaps we will have capacities in our glorified bodies in heaven, okay? My point is this. We will never embrace fully the revolution of Jesus Christ and get fully on board with it until we're convinced of at least the number one claim and the linchpin of Christianity, which is He is risen and He is risen indeed. Are you convinced of that? Convinced of that enough to let Jesus revolutionize your heart, but also revolutionize your purpose, your mission, and your destiny in life? I remember when I was um, in college and just a couple years out of college, I, I, I came to what I would call a crisis of faith. I grew up in a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church, and I came to know Jesus as my Savior in middle school. But when I was in college and a couple years out of college, I, I, I knew what I believed. I didn't know why I believed it. And, and it brought me to a crisis. And like Luke, I started doing some of my own investigative research. And I investigated the investigators, because there have been people who have been investigating this story for 2,000 years. And I read books like Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, a former atheist and, and uh, an agnostic when it comes to the claims of Jesus Christ. 
and then somebody who investigated things. I wanted to learn from his investigation. I read books by Josh McDowell, like More Than a Carpenter, and Evidence That Demands a Verdict. I, I got a hold of anything I could read. I did my own personal investigation because at that point, I couldn't afford to have a faith that just some preacher delegated to me or that my parents might have had or somebody else. Told me. I needed to know that I knew <laughs> that there were many convincing, infallible proofs and I went through a season. And you know what? I came out of that believing that this Jesus is who he says he is. And his claim and his followers claim that he rose from the dead is true beyond a reasonable doubt. And I joined the revolution. And my question is, are, are you there? Are there any lingering doubts? If there are, do your investigation, your eternal destiny, Depends on it, let alone, you know, what your purpose and mission is in life. That's the first call to action, to have confidence in the claims of Christianity. The second is to connect to the unlimited power of God. Let's read on beginning in verse 4. And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, you heard from Me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Let's stop right there. Do you have doubts about who Jesus is and who he claims to be? As Ron said today, there is overwhelming evidence that the claims of Christ are true. If you're not quite convinced, check it out for yourself. I think you'll find that it takes more faith to be an atheist than to be a believer in Jesus Christ. You're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Jesus the Revolutionary, is part of Ron's series, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. Look for it under the Library tab at somethinggoodradio.org. That's A.D. Acts of the Apostles, a teaching series from Ron Jones that explores end times prophecy as recorded in the book of Daniel. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good Radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Walk down the Via Dolorosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where he shed his blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your Savior is risen indeed. Is the Holy Land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. All of us here at Something Good Radio hope you can join us on our upcoming trip to the Holy Land. For more information or to reserve your spot today, visit somethinggoodradio.org and click on Travel at the top of the homepage. Something Good Radio gets all of its financial support from friends and listeners like you. That's how Ron stays on the air all year round, sharing the good news of the gospel in a world in which bad news is all too common. 
And when you give a gift this month, Ron will say thank you by giving you the audio download of the teaching series you're hearing now, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. That's A.D. Acts of the Apostles. Request your download of all 19 messages in the series today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now, there's always a difference that we need to understand between the spiritual gift of evangelism and being a witness for Jesus. There are some people in the body of Christ who have the gift of evangelism. Uh, that's wonderfully seen in the ministry of Billy Graham, who, you know, crusade, large gathering evangelism, or a guy like Bill Bright with Campus Crusade, one-on-one -on -one evangelism. Not everybody has that gift, that spiritual gift, but all of us have the responsibility to be his witnesses. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Jesus the Revolutionary. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.